In this episode, how South Korea is dealing with the coronavirus, an unusual place to self-isolate, and the million-dollar question, when will we be able to travel again? Welcome to the World Nomads podcast. We'll be keeping you up to date with travel alerts, information about coronavirus, and sharing some uplifting news and views to inspire you and keep you smiling. Hi, it's Kim and Phil with you. All of that and a chat with Hannah, who was just about to relaunch her travel business, Phil, when the pandemic was declared. Heartbreaking. So let's um, kick off with some headlines, though, first. Okay. 2031, a tourism consultancy has done some research and has come up with a timeline on when the travel sector may reopen. Yes. Uh, We'll share the research documents in show notes. But globally, domestic travel is expected to return close to the end of June, beginning of July, for some destinations around the world. However, other places, including Spain and Australia, are hinting that tourism may not return this year at all. That's pretty frightening. <laughs> anyway, the report goes on to say travellers are beginning to show interest in travel again, although at low levels. When travel does restart, outdoor and small group activities appear to be the more promising when compared to higher density activities. That actually equates uh, quite well to a survey that we've got on worldnomads.com at the moment. Uh, I'd love it if uh, listeners would jump on and fill that in. Any of the pages you go to, it should pop up, asking how you feel about when you might want to return. Can we put that in show notes? Uh, yes, absolutely. Well, yeah, absolutely. We'll put some, we got some early results from that. We'll put uh, those in show notes. But yeah, look, I think we're in, nomads are very much in the, you know, early adopter stage of that one. Great. Meantime, there's been a deadly outbreak of cholera in Kenya with at least seven people dead over and over 130 have been hospitalised. And You don't need that on top of oh, the COVID-19. No, no, you don't. And this is an incredible story. Four men and two women from France, Turkey, Ukraine, the United States and Nepal, have been found self-isolating in a cave in India. They'd been staying in a hotel but ran out of money, as you do when you're backpacking. Cheers for that. Now, Rhiannon Shepherd is an expat soul-based PR specialist and founder of a communications company, and she's going to give us an insight into how the virus has affected South Korea. Well, um, it's actually been um, relatively calm and kind of... Um, not normal here lots of things have changed but in South Korea we've not had to this point an official lockdown or or a quarantine Um, so since the the coronavirus um, outbreak started here back in February at no point have we not been able to go out and eat at a restaurant or or, um, you know go go shopping so while some things have changed in, in other ways compared to the West and compared to Europe and America, um, we're still kind of living a relatively normal life here, really. So has the government been transparent? They're constantly communicating with people and very open about their decision not to, to force South Koreans into lockdown? Yes, I, that's been one of the big things here really has been from the get-go, transparency and really solid kind of unified communication from the government, which I think was one big problem at the start, um, particularly in the UK, you know, the messages in the media and from the government were just so mixed. That's, I think, personally, what what caused a lot of the panic. Um, But in South Korea, um, because they did deal with this minor MERS outbreak in South Korea in 2015, there were plans and and, um, in place for, for an outbreak. So from the beginning, Um, the government said, okay, we're not opening schools. We are going to track and we are going to test as much as we can. Um, 
And because it's, it was so unified and, and kind of organised from the beginning, there really hasn't been a big panic here. You mentioned that it's not only calm, but it's organised and also technology-led. Can you expand on that? Uh, because of the MERS virus that, that kind of was a thing here in 2015, the government did implement um, a potential plan um, if there was to be another outbreak. And one big part of this plan was um, using technology to track uh, and test um, the virus from the very beginning. So in addition to, in Korea, in addition to the drive-through testing clinics that were set up, in addition to wearing masks, which are actually rationed by the government, we get two each a week, um, in addition to you know hand sanitizers and heat sensing cameras, there is also this system whereby every person who's confirmed to have the virus in South Korea um, has their whereabouts over the previous 10 days, I think it is, tracked using their credit card information and their GPS information. And then this information is made public. And this was a law that was actually passed after the MERS outbreak in 2015 to make this possible uh, during a pandemic only. Of course, when it's not a pandemic, privacy laws prevent this from being possible. But in South Korea, during a pandemic, um, the government does have access to personal information um, of um, carriers of the virus. So when there is a, a, a confirmed coronavirus patient in my area, I get a text message to my phone from the government and I can then visit a website and I can see every single place that that person visited and I can avoid those places. So this kind of system allows the government to track and trace every person uh, and basically prevent a full-scale kind of outbreak from happening. You are also the founder of a, a communications company. You're linked to the travel and tourism sector. How's it affected you personally in terms of your company? While we haven't had a lockdown here, of course, the economy has seen a big slowdown. People are going out less. Um, restaurants are really struggling. You know, the government has said, we're not going to keep you at home, but do try and um, social distance as much as possible. Um, so there has been a slowdown. In some ways, it's affected my business because my, my local clients are have been affected and they're kind of tightening their budgets and really trying to um, save money where possible. But I also work with um, companies that usually come into Korea but aren't able to at the minute. So work has kind of been passed on to me remotely. So it's been kind of swings and roundabouts really. Um, I mean, it's really hard to say how things will be over the next six months or year. Um, I think it looks like Korea is going to rebound more quickly from this than some countries in Europe, which have been really, really devastated by the virus. But it is hard to say, you know, fingers crossed um, that this um, lull that we're seeing now in South Korea is um, permanent and there is no kind of big second wave, but it's really, it's really hard to tell. Well, it would be remiss of me to let you go without asking, have you heard anything about North Korea? The last I heard was that they were not reporting any cases of of course, this is highly unlikely to be true. Um, but again, without capacity for testing or even the kind of medical uh, capacity for, for treating the virus in North Korea, I imagine that once it hits or if it has already hit, then it's likely to be quite devastating, really. And at the time of recording, South Korea had recorded just over 10,500 cases, 
with 247 deaths from COVID-19. Well, Hannah and her partner first started their travel adventure in South Korea, actually. They lived there in Mexico. Then they moved back to the States where they planned to settle. But they took one last trip in January this year and it was cut short by the virus, which also ruined their plans to relaunch their travel business that they'd worked super hard to create. So I guess, uh, you know, my husband and I don't really come from means, uh, so you know, being able to travel all the time, like uh, those of us, those people in our lives who know us know that we really worked hard to get what we wanted. And like, nobody was paying, you know, for it for us or whatever, like we really had to make it happen on our own. So a lot of people would ask us, how do you do this? How do you make it happen? How do you live abroad? How do you bring your dog? How do you travel for this, this long? Basically, we realized that we could kind of turn it into a business and help people, you know, genuinely help people who were like, I want that life. I want to do what you're doing to some extent, but I like just don't know where to start because there's a lot of information out there for people who want to work remotely or, you know, just do something very specific, teach English, volunteer, excuse me, volunteer, whatever it is. Um, And we realize like it's different for every person. Like not every person is able to do every opportunity that's out there. So we wanted to be able to customize that experience for people who want to travel, but you know, they have, money and standing in their way or uh family or whatever it is that's kind of you know stopping them from like taking that leap that's where we come in but you were about to relaunch correct yes yeah so we we kind of started off like a maybe a year and a half ago two years ago just kind of like talking with people just word of mouth and then so we were working for a while on this big like relaunch with the website i wrote a book all this stuff was like ready to go and then this happened (laughs) So I don't know. It's been kind of hard. Are you maintaining a sense of confidence? I am because from my point of view, I mean, I, we still have a few clients that we started working with like a few years ago who are still like abroad now or kind of in the midst of traveling. Maybe they had to come back, but they still want to keep going. So for me, I'm hopeful because I think because of this, people are going to be like, well, if I don't go now, like who knows what could happen? Like, I think it, it's made people kind of, reconsider putting off travel for a later date and wanting to be like, I got to do it now. So I think there's a sense of urgency there. And Hannah, you also mentioned you think the way that we will travel will change. Yeah, I think people are going to be more thoughtful about their travels. I think, I don't know how things are going to change in the States. I mean, one of the the things that I notice a lot is like Americans in general don't have the ability to travel as much as people from Europe, maybe or whatever, because they don't get as much time off or they don't have as much savings to travel. So I think people who do have that opportunity or who are willing to do that are going to, yeah, just be more thoughtful and really do the experience they want to do, no matter what it's going to cost them or how much time off of work they're going to take. Uh, Because I think this, like I said, this whole experience made people realize like time, you know, time is, uh, is life is short. Something else that we're picking up on as we have these chats is that domestic travel will be quite strong early on. And you mentioned the States and it does blow me away. I think only 40% of Americans have got passports, but there is so much to see in America. Yeah. It's funny because like since living abroad, I've actually been able to see like more of the States than I would have if I had been living here this whole time, just because it's like more affordable for us to travel since we were living abroad. But yeah, I mean, I think I I had a unique opportunity to travel the States when I was a teenager. And I think it is a beautiful country for people who are looking for 
nature or, you know, cities with unique vibes and things like that. So I, I think, you know, it's great to go abroad, but if people have the opportunity to see their own country, wherever that may be, then go for it because there's a lot to see and do there as well. You really got to learn to find those opportunities uh, close to home. Now, I don't want to do that whole, please lay down on the couch and tell me how you feel, but <laughs> how are you doing? Just now with everything, I'm okay. It, it's been hard for us because you know, we, we moved back to the States in January and, you know, after seven years abroad, our whole adult life's abroad. And it, it's hard now because we're with my parents. We're in New York. It's uh, not the, the best environment for us. So there's other factors into it. So we're just trying to keep it together and stay positive and do what we can to make it through. As yeah. many people are. <laughs> Look, to say it's the tough time for anyone in the travel industry is an understatement, Phil. But to share your story, get in touch by emailing podcast at worldnomads.com and don't forget to tell your friends about us. Yes, through our podcast, we're continuing to engage with the travel community by reflecting the way you are experiencing the coronavirus. We'll talk to you again soon. The World Nomads Podcast. Explore your boundaries.